Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Hello and welcome to part two of our Megan episode. This episode was supersized because we had a lot of conversation about the Spotify deal. So if you missed part one, definitely go back because it includes the Spotify conversation that Alex and I had, as well as the first part of our Meghan Markle deep dive. So getting back into it, the monarchy and Meghan. So I think that there is a real conversation we should be having about Meghan marrying into the British royal family. And that's not to say that she has more responsibility than the white people to reform an antiquated institution, but she was very prepared to join and work for the monarchy and spread confidence in the Commonwealth countries, many of which are a majority black and brown. So she was ready to work within the system. Now there is debate, mm. really reform from within the system, um, which, you know, but this is something that we really don't talk about, that if this had been successful and she had been successfully integrated into the family, would that have actually been better or would it have just been better for the image of the British royal family as like a little less white? Do you know and, what I mean? Yeah, and I think you can see that example of, what would have happened if she would have stayed at the Caribbean tour? That would have been Megan and Harry's tour without a doubt. And I promise you it would have went another way. It would have went a good way. And the reason why I hate that, I hate that, is because it would have completely erased all the very important conversations that the Caribbean is having about the Commonwealth and how the British royal family and the government have not have literally not paid their dues back for what they did to those countries. And yeah, and it's Megan, something that, sorry. 
Oh, no, it's okay. No, I'm just saying, like, and Megan was okay with that. And I'm sure she didn't think of it like that. But that's not an excuse. It may be a reason, but it's not an excuse. Her ignorance is not an excuse. Yeah, I, I agree. And if I was looking into, okay, this is like clearly right up my alley. I found this Science Direct Women's Studies International Forum from February 2021. And it was called Monarchy is a Feminist Issue, Andrew, Megan, mm-hmm. and Me Too Era Monarchy. And I said, shoot that ex- right into my veins. Yep. So the introduction of this um, study is that in reading representations of Megan's feminism through longer histories of women, feminism and patriarchy in the monarchy this article reveals the limitations to feminist discourses possible from within the institution so that's kind Mm -hmm. of something i already said and megan so basically a quote is as women it is 100 our responsibility to uplift others megan and neoliberal feminism and i Mm -hmm. said oh boy they are going there so just to finish it out they say that we understand the feminist campaign spearheaded by megan during her time within the british monarchy as royal work That is, they are part of an ongoing, carefully orchestrated campaign to position the royal institution as deserving of its privileges. All senior royals undertake such duties, and they are strategic, timetabled, and managed forms of self-presentation, which act as symbolic markers of value for the institution. So it really calls into question what she would have been able to change. And if she was in some ways agreeing to work within the framework of the patriarchy in like one of the oldest examples of just like, you know. Yeah. And I mean, it's not, and again, it's not too shocking for me. Then we think about Megan because, okay. Um, <laughs> oh, <boy>. Megan and, <laughs> yeah. Right. Let me prepare. Megan and intersexual feminism like hasn't been a thing until she experienced racism and misogynoir. And that really speaks to, her privileges. She is yeah. a light-skinned woman that in many ways can be passing. And I want to be very clear about that because I think white passing, I know for me in the black community, white passing means someone who purposely is trying to be white. I think oh. um Megan is more the appropriate term would be white presenting. She doesn't want to appear white. It's been very clear for up to a decade. She has not gone out of her way to look white. So she is not trying to pass that way, but she still benefits from it. And again, I feel like she allowed herself to sit in this ignorance because she can benefit so much from white privilege or um, light skin privilege and colorism. So I think it's a natural fit for her you know, to come into the royal family at this time of 2018, where the royal family was really starting to talk a lot about modernizing and being a modern royal family, that she thought, oh, I can be a part of that. And all they need is me to represent representation politics. They were going to exploit that. And it seems like Megan was very much okay with it being exploited for that. But I do have to defend her on one hand, though, because I think it happened pretty soon. She realized what that meant for her. Yes. And I give her props here because it seems like the moment she realized what that what meant for her, she was going to start she started rebelling against it. I also think that in the beginning, I think she did have a sense she would be able to do more. And that's what they wanted because like work harder, achieve more in America. Amazing. So her first solo venture, which was um, working with the woman of Almanar who had been displaced from the Grenfell fires and started this hub community kitchen to cook and create community. She gets in there. She's rolling up her shirt sleeve. She's getting in there. She's helping to cook. She wants to do more. They create this cookbook together. It you know, makes $500,000. It it knocks JK Rowling off the top of the list. She has this, her first speech at Kensington Palace on the grounds. And it's like women from 29 different countries. It's a beautiful display of multicultural 
multiculturalism and this thing that she thought was going to be so hailed, which is not why she did it, but I think she thought like, I can really sink my teeth into things that I care about because I have that kind of power now. She quickly found out that is not how this was going to be going with the way the media covered it, tying it to terrorism. Again, I think the timing of Brexit having passed in 2016 and this anti-immigration stance, there were a lot of things working against her. In my head too, KPF a time, I'll find the article and post it. Supposedly a KP sources talked shit on that event and said like they weren't happy that it happened on KP grounds and they didn't approve that. So it really felt like it was coming from the inside too. And I think too, that goes with the Royal family has always relied on white saviorship. Which means a lot of the photos, like I've said, scroll through their Instagram guys before Megan came along. It's so interesting. And what I find really interesting is usually Harry. That's with the black and brown people. But when you see a white person helping poor people, specifically black and brown people, usually the heart goes a little bit more thud thud. When you see a black person or a brown person helping black and brown people, it's like, oh, that's nice. You know, it well, just or, doesn't or it's nefarious or it's mm-hmm. she's she's aiding in terrorism like these people. Exactly. You know I mean? It's xenophobic. exactly Megan. I don't think they expected it to be that big. I don't think the royal family realized how much people wanted to see people that look like them interacting with them. You and know, real like work, like real important, real work. work. I think white saviorship is something that people are getting more and more sick of, even if they don't know, like fully and i think like uk and racism is a very weird thing i'm seeing that more and more and how many black people that are in high society just don't think it exists because black and white people rub shoulders sometimes can i tell you something there's Hmm. a book by akala who is this rapper and um just amazing human from the uk it's called natives it's a really good kind of hybrid memoir about growing up black in the uk but being like a highly intelligent individual Mm -hmm. and no one thinking that you're smart because you're black right yeah and the way in which you know americans are are always america's always kind of like 10 to 15 years ahead of the uk Mm -hmm. when it comes to talking about race and part of that is because in america we had to have an actual reckoning with our laws that literally made racism legal so we had to undo those laws not that the civil rights movement solved racism everything's fine it's not that the uk hasn't had that same thing to grapple with but they still have deep-seated racism Mm -hmm. in their country to work through and also their very big role in participating in the slave trade which brought enslaved individuals to america to the colonies I mean, I, it's a little, I just need to say this real quick there. I'm forgetting this guy's name, um, but he's Nigerian. He got really big in like 2019, 2019 when all the Black Lives Matter protests were going on. He started doing like conversations with the black guy or something like that. It was really oh, big yeah. on IG. Yes, him. He seemed great for a bit, but it became very prevalent very quickly love Megan, but like Megan, a lot of his talks about racism was supposed to be easily digestible for white people. And at one point he goes on another podcast with two black podcasters that are American. And he pretty much said like, see, this is the thing about America and with racism, like you guys just still have so much trauma from what happens. So you guys hold on to it. And they both look at each other. Cause like, dude, you're Nigerian. What? You're Nigerian. Like his name is like, 
I don't know, like Thomas something. He's like, do you really think your ancestors named you Thomas? Like, where do you think you got that name? You know what I mean? And then I saw like Nigerian podcasters talking about it. Like, this is so embarrassing, but this is so much what of our country thinks like. Like, oh, we don't, Americans, they just, African-Americans are just whining too much and they talk too much and get over it. While forgetting that we were directly impacted by these things. Like our resources in our country is still struggling so much from that. But somehow we think we're better because maybe it's like, it's easier for them to, you know, um, immigrate to the UK and I don't know, get award awarded by the Royal family because they successfully became a musician. It's like the OBEs I've always said, like those little medals is just a really great gaslighting tactic. Oh, that, that stuff is wild. Some guy recently got dragged for filth on, on Twitter, trying to make an argument about some really bad argument about race. And he was saying something stupid. I forget what, but yeah. he had OBE like in his profile oh. and people were like, my dude. Yeah. My it's it's a way to I think trap and quiet. It's untrusting seeing some very popular black activists get that OBE and how what they say changes, even if it's just slightly, it changes. But going back a little bit to the wedding, so because you said about you know feeding into the framework, and I think it's very obvious that Megan did. I mean, even I think about Spare when Harry talks about introducing her to Charles, and he's like, my dad like hair down, barely any makeup, blah, blah, blah. Megan's like, okay, let's do it. Let's do it. You know, and that's not very feminist of her. And again, I get back to that point, though. I'm a feminist to my core. But if my husband told me and I'm about to introduce, be introduced to his dad the first time, who's very important to him, was like, this is how my dad likes the hair long and down. I'd be like, okay, oh, yeah. let me go get some extensions. Okay, let me <laughs> give you clean girl look. Like, let's do it. Like, I get it on that point. But obviously, like, you get to the wedding. And I think Megan got caught up in the very Tory way of muscling through a lot of the racist policies that were going on, you know, immigration, Brexit. This is also when they were voting about the Windrush generation was during um, the 2017-2018. This was was messed up. I did a series on this. It's wild. And that's all going on between when they're being engaged to the wedding, okay? (laughs) Like, this is all going the Greenfall Towers. Like, this is all going around in the background of the first ever woman of color being married into the royal family. And you best believe the royals and the government saw what they needed for Megan. And I'm sure Megan saw what they needed from her and she's willing to play into it because I also think she genuinely believed that her position there was going to change something and unfortunately that probably also comes down to um, Doria not educating her daughter on what racism is systemic racism is and how it will never ever let you be successful especially when there's another beautiful white woman right next to you because she's the one who's going to be successful. So like the choice of the blackness, I found very beautiful a part of the wedding. Um, And I'm going to put a few articles, even ones that aren't on here, because I think it's really important for people to read black, black journalists around this time, because a lot of people I have seen in like, after they left, like, wow, we should have known, or Megan should have known, or are black people that surprised? Like, this was happening, this was happening. It's like, no, black people, black journalists were talking about the complications of Megan marrying into that family from the moment she was engaged to that. Oh, they knew. The moment, exactly. And they were talking about how while they were very excited and like, I'm a feminist, but I'm so excited for this. But at the same time, I'm uncomfortable because you have all of this blackness in the church. You know, you have Charles, including the kingdom choir, which I do believe he genuinely likes their music and invited them on because it would be great. But I also can't 
not know that Charles, Megan, Harry, everyone that was a part of this also knew it was so key to have Blackness represented, represented in a time when the Tory government is being called racist for good reason. And also, just just in in Megan's defense, it's also like this is a thing we do with marginalized people where they have to represent and be everything while a white individual is allowed to be an individual. They're not. So in Megan's defense, she does not get to be an individual. She has to represent something greater. And and to some extent, she has no control over that. And also, Mm -hmm. you know, we're talking about this. They're just two people that fell in love and wanted to get married. But there are all these other kind of political components, social you know, calculate that they had to agree to in some way to do what they did. And then obviously they didn't agree with it anymore and they walked and, but they went into this agreeing to these terms that were rooted in racism and problematic behavior of the government wanting to put a bandaid over all of these issues. The government wanted to use, to use black proximity to say, no, we don't have a racism problem. So like this wedding is so much, especially by conservative media, the road, the road, the road, road, like this means we are in racial harmony. Like stop talking about racism. Stop talking about Brexit being racism. Stop talking about the Windrush generation. There is a black princess and we all love her and we gave her a great wedding and then we wrote all of these nice things about her yes we liked her we liked her until we didn't and so like speaking of like really great authors the new york times the new yorker have some great ones there's one by um miss tillett the quote says imbuing miss markle's racial biography with so much redemptive potential much like we did with president barack obama ignores exonophobia and structures of racial inequality upon which brexit and by extension insular insular notions of British identity that the monarchy symbolizes symbolizes thrives. And as we have seen, the British identity, which is this patriotism, which is all very conservative and sees Britain as white, has been a huge factor in why Meghan, I think, has had a lot of trouble, a lot of trouble. And But it does also make me sad because, again, that back and forth of Meghan feeding into these things, though, and do I think this is part of, obviously, her trying to fit in and to not cause trouble because everyone was already so much on high alert. So you have like during the interview for their engagement, they kind of ask about the racism going on and stuff like that. And mind you, Harry has put out a statement at this point explicitly talking about the racism. And now they're asking Megan about it. And what she says is pretty much at the end of the day, I'm really just proud of who I am and where I come from. And we have never put any focus on that red flag for me she's completely avoiding talking about her race let alone talking about racism or saying racism you know it's giving like her blackness is great for imagery but vocally it's putting way too much attention on the fact she is different from everyone and then can also be a victim of racism because i don't think the royals ever wanted her to be a victim of anything to be the evil one you can't be a victim. You're just an asshole and everything that happens to you, you deserve. So it's like unfortunate that she went in as this good token, but I think it's pretty obvious behind the scenes. It just wasn't happening very well because even her tokenism is not what they wanted. It was still having opinions and thinking that they should be listened to. And I think the final thing for me, kind of the red flag though, I think we all fed into was um, the veil. That veil I love. It's probably one of the most beautiful ones I've ever seen in my life. Um, But like in the same sentence, it's also why a lot of diplomatic dressing I find can be very cringy because Mm. the message of all the flowers is beautiful. Like you got the couture stitching, you have the lips, you have all of this, like all put together. I think for a lot of black and brown people's deep seated need to 
be accepted in these spaces that were built to not accept us. It kind of reminds me of like the Oscars and stuff. There's always this back and forth talk about like, these people don't like us. They never liked us. So why do we even want to be a part of it? And part of it's obviously it's all we have. And yes, we want to be accepted by that. We want to have to stop making new things to be accepted somewhere, you know? And I think the veil, again, it's just so beautiful, but it was such a great way for them to put a beautiful bandaid over all of these issues. We're finally having conversations about the Commonwealth isn't great for the people actually in the Commonwealth. And it's just another, you know, it's just another version of um, being colonized. Here comes Megan with that beautiful veil walking down the aisle with all the flowers symbolized on there. And that's what we're thinking about now. So whether she meant to or not, she absolutely participated in that type of conversation. But yeah, I feel like, I feel like also mm -hmm. what's interesting is, and it's something you don't think of, like, especially when you watch the Netflix documentary, the fact that Megan didn't really experience racism the same way until she went to the UK, which again is a weird thing to say. You're like, wait, America was less racist to you, but. And I'm not shocked. And I think it was, oh, see, again, this is obviously the difference between being a black woman and a white woman. I'm over here <laughs> like, Golly gee, can you imagine? <laughs> no, yeah, I mean, it's being light skinned. I think too, like Megan, um, our country, many countries do like, um, women of color, but they want us to be exotic, which means you have to have the perfect balance of being light and skin color, but also having European features. And Megan, to that racist mind who doesn't think they're racist because they've like fucked a black girl before, she's perfectly appealing. Okay. Like perfectly appealing. And I mean, honestly, like I love my mom. My mom is a very light skinned woman. She has freckles. She just like has that Megan Markle, beautiful curly hair. And absolutely she has experienced what it's like with black men and white men, it's like you're a trophy. You are a trophy. Mm. For white men, it's like, I'll fuck a black one. Look how cool I am. And I found a beautiful one. You know what I mean? Like, that's the mindset that's happening. And I think here, again, it's like everyone is so happy we can say that we will rub shoulders with a black person. And I think it really brought out in a lot of communities that, yeah, we still want to belong, even though, even though we know this isn't great for us. And I just going to finish it off with this great quote from Doreen St. Flex. And this is from The New Yorker. St. Felix. It's, um, Sorry. It's oh, okay. St. Felix. St. Felix. Um, I'm for, I obviously will post the link. It's pretty much a real, you guys, please read this article. It's a beautiful ode to Doria Raglan and just her presence in all of this. This is in front of billions, Markle entered one of the oldest halls of whiteness with the flowers of former colonies sewn into her veil and blended in. Raglan stood out. It is true that Markle and her groom beautifully threaded black rituals throughout the ceremony, but claims about the wedding's wokeness are a little jarring. This was a royal marriage set against the backdrop of the government threatening to deport Britons of the Windrush generation. Was that melancholy in Raglan's eyes, a worry about whether her daughter would truly be accepted in the family, what she may have to do to usher in that acceptance? Ooh. Did she recall the Christmas luncheon that Markle attended in December, at which Princess Michael of Kent wore a blackamoor brooch clipped to her jacket? And I'm going to end that quote there. And I think we wow. all have the answers to many of those questions. So while I think there's absolute judgment for what, how Megan was willing to be this tool for them, there needs to be so much empathy there. Agreed. Gosh, I'm going to get emotional. <laughs> like, no, this, that was, that was just, beautifully said. I can't imagine. I can't imagine. And now knowing too, in the docuseries of Doria saying, like, I regret not preparing her for this and telling her before they even got married, like, this is racism. This is bad. They're not standing up for you. Like, what are we going to do? And Megan being like, Mom, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to hear the word. I don't want to talk about it. I'm focusing on the positive. 
I get that so much. You know, it's like, what? I can't fit in, but like, I'm light, I'm beautiful. I'm so skinny. I got so skinny for them. You know, I'm quiet. I'm pushing everything they want me to, but I still can't fit in. And then finally having to say like, am I just going to become like, um, a Candace Owens or am I going to stick to my morals and am I going to walk? And we know what happened. And I think this should all just be a lesson to us to be very careful about representation politics and these really beautiful, glamorous ceremonies that are supposed to symbolize that we are in a racial, you know, awakening and we have moved on. It never means that. It never means that. <laughs> well it said. The perfect transition into the myths that the media has purported that No matter what you read, you have heard them, you have internalized them, and it is going to create an opinion of Meghan Markle, rightly or wrongly. So I think the first myth I want to get into is Meghan, the social climber. So obviously the first thing that people say is, well, she ditched her family, which I'm going to tell you my theory. My theory is that obviously, and listen, not to armchair diagnose, but I'm going to armchair diagnose. Samantha Markle her half-sister obviously has some sort of personality or mental disorder. You don't lose your children as a white mother in America unless things are really fucked up. And it's telling that, again, Megan was invited to her half-niece's or her niece's wedding, but the mother of the bride was not. So again, that's very telling of Samantha Markle's character, but not something we want to talk about. I think in the case with Thomas Markle, I actually think Megan not responding to a ton of it is because she loves and wants to protect her father, even if he's been kind of shitty. I really think that this is a man that has something going on mentally as well. Like he moves to Rosarito, Mexico, or is it Rosarito? I think so. I think so. Um, He moves to Mexico just like randomly, lives in this, this, this like secluded house and kind of comes out every once in a while to like play games with other expats. And even when you see him interviewed, like something seems off. And I actually think her not really addressing stuff with her family is first of all smart, but also I don't think she wants to create more harm to her father, who I really do think she loves, even if the relationship right now is complicated because boundaries. And I really think if this was anyone else in anyone else's family, yeah, there wouldn't even, this wouldn't even be a conversation. You would say, no, you need to, you need to cut them off for a time. You need to not have interaction with them. So the other social climber hit that Megan gets against her, which is oddly enough, the same one Princess Diana got. I did a deep Mm -hmm. dive on Princess Diana coverage before her death. So from January 1997 till August 29th, uh, 1997, excuse me. And and it's amazing how many of the headlines, it could be about Megan or it could be about Princess Diana. And Mm -hmm. and one of them is uh, ditching her friends and losing all of her friends. And what's interesting, <laughs> though, is that we see is so there was a really good example recently of this Millie McIntosh who is on the show Made in Chelsea. I don't know anything about it. It's a reality TV show. Yeah. And so apparently Millie said on a podcast that, you know, she felt snubbed by the Duchess of Sussex saying Megan appeared to call on their friendship when she began dating Prince Harry in 2016. She revealed a final exchange after Millie had asked her about the blossoming relationship with the prince, which evoked an abrupt message from Megan. 
And then Millie says, she basically told me to fuck off in that message. So I did. And we haven't spoken since. Millie, <laughs> Millie, I, I wonder why she decided to cut things off with you as you're going on a podcast like five years later to talk about it. Also, well, <laughs> notice that she says she basically told me. We don't know what was in the mess. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. We just know mm -hmm. Millie's point of view. And I bet you, this is my guess. Megan was becoming friendly with Millie. It was fine. She starts dating Prince Harry, and suddenly it's like, oh, shoot, I need to think about who I'm friends with. You know, yeah. even the Piers Morgan thing, Harry's like, cut that shit off yes we, we beefing and then he's like and you got to be careful with some of these these friends because unless they are your diehard near and dear if if a paper comes running or there's money involved talk. they might sell you out and i think she started making the decision to protect herself and then and again it's like millie's kind of proving the point that maybe this was a good idea to for megan to no longer be friends with a reality mm -hmm. tv star in the uk <laughs> And this reminds me of her former agent. I'm forgetting the woman's name, but she did first did a Daily Mail article. She talked to Daily Mail. I think it was like 2018 or something, you know, like before the wedding around that time. And she was very loving towards Megan. Like, she's amazing. This is how I met her. We worked together. It was great. But you could tell that she was like a little hurt. There was this kind of like, but like, I don't talk to her anymore. Like she got with Harry. We did one more event. I think she says like at one point, it's the, I think it's a World Vision event that someone like a reporter came up to her and she like had snapped like just talk to my agent okay and she was like you know that was so unlike Megan she was never like that I could tell she was really stressed I just didn't get what's going on and she said like that was the last time I saw her and after that she pretty much sent me an email saying like I'm sorry I'm not going to need your service any services anymore I'm going to be moving over with Harry you know I'll get in touch whenever I can but pretty much it might not happen yeah. And then like 2019, maybe 2020, she does another interview just tearing Megan apart, tearing her apart, how she dropped everyone. She's a social climber, just feeding into all of those things. And again, it's kind of like, y'all really don't understand why she didn't cut you off. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> and I think, though, 
because this was also reported about Kate too. It was like she didn't have many friends and then she was like cutting off friends. Some of the people were pissed at William and Kate's wedding because they didn't get an invite. Was that when you become a royal girlfriend slash fiance slash wife, you have to cut people off. It happens. I don't really think it's that crazy to think that you're going to have to cut off a lot of people when you get into the world that you do. I, I, I think, again, it is this effort to paint her in a certain light by the media and this narrative. So if you can, if you keep saying enough, Megan loses her family, Megan cuts off another friend, then you're building a narrative that Megan is just a social climber who uses people. So I think that's one of the lies. I think another myth that I want to focus on is this idea that Megan lies all the time, which, again, is a way to dehumanize her. Because yeah. I think like anyone else, if you were recorded all the time with what you said, you probably misspeak or misremember something. Mm-hmm. And it's not an intentional nefarious lie. But I think if you can say that she lies about everything, big and small, then you can say she lies about racism within the royal family. Exactly. She lied about this. And that's that's the idea. Get her for little lies. Megan said this. And okay, so I have a question because a lot of the quote unquote lies uh, stem from allegedly the Oprah interview. And so I've kind of, I've kind of, uh, Piers Morgan did this whole 17 lies Meghan Markle told in her God, interview and stuff like that. But I kind of sit here and I'm, I wonder, I wonder if Meghan and Harry regret the Oprah interview. Do you know what I mean? Like I, I really um, had times where I'm like, I wonder if they really regret doing that. Or if the, the mindset is it didn't matter when they talked or what they said, it was going to have the same outcome. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I don't think they should regret the Oprah interview. I wouldn't be kind of surprised. Obviously, it's gotten backlash. But the Oprah interview, for the first time, people listened to them. For the first time, it felt like people were like, oh, wait, Megan just like, is it an evil, horrible bitch? Like, oh, and she was like pregnant during that entire time where we brutalized her every single day. And oh my gosh, like, she might have been affected by that and almost like wanted to kill herself because every single day people were telling her she was the issue and she was destroying an entire family, institution, and possible country. You know, no one seemed to realize that until they saw Megan sitting there pregnant with a dark eyeliner around her eye and crying, okay? And I've said before, and I will say it again, I'm glad they did that interview, but it also enrages me that Megan had to sit there and cry for white people to empathize with her. Fair. That pisses me off. Like, and it, because it represents so much what black women and black people have to do to finally get some empathy. Like, um, you know, it's like with what happened in, um, oh my God, how am I forgetting his name? George, George Flynn? No, Michael Flynn. Oh, Michael Flynn. What am I saying? What is his I'm, name? I'm ready. I'm ready. Michael Michael Flynn worked for um for no. Donald Trump. No, I'm so you wrong, you guys. About? Holy shit, you guys are gonna kill me. Okay. I'm talking what? about the poor black man that got stomped on. Shut that, the fuck up. Name? George Floyd. Holy shit. Oh my god. We went from <laughs> Michael Flynn to George Floyd. Okay. Okay. I'm gonna take a deep breath. Please continue. <laughs> deep breath. I guess we needed that before I was, cause I was going in, I was going in a little laugh before I go back in again. So <laughs> I think that like is another great example. Like we didn't get an uprising until we watched a man slowly die for nine minutes on camera. 
Like, you can't tell me black and brown people don't have to be stomped out, crying their eyes out, and literally on the brink of death for a lot of white people and non-black people to finally have some empathy. Mm -hmm. And so while it got them backlash, I think overall that backlash has not touched what it was able to do for their public persona, which is finally get people to listen, to finally get people to say, hmm, maybe not every single headline, not every single source is correct or only telling us half truths. Because also KP did this, did honestly Megan and Harry a weird favor when they dropped that bullying report the night before because it was so transparent that it was a tactic used to try to silence Megan. It was so obvious they were just throwing out. It's like, you know, politics when they're on the presidential trail. It's like you're going to throw out anything at the last minute that will potentially get this person in trouble. And that's exactly what they were trying to do with Megan. But in a lot of ways, it backfired for them because many people were like, um, the timing here is... And obviously, a bunch of white women are telling me that Megan's a bully. I don't know if I can believe that. And... Again, because you see this so much in so many environments, whether it's just like you working at your local job and you are only person of color and you try to speak up or you try or you're beautiful or you're intelligent and people start seeing it the wrong way. I mean, there's this really great book that just got released, the Burn It Down book, talking about Sleepy Hollow. And literally they're talking about how the main actress, a black woman, had to walk on eggshells and on and start conversations with, I'm not trying to be difficult whenever she had an opinion compared to her white male mm-hmm. co-star who yep. was described as a diva, but was never, ever treated like she was, which was like she was a bully and a bitch and she was difficult. And that's exactly what we saw from Megan. She's a bully and a bitch because she has an opinion. And I also want to point out that I, I that was conveniently dropped that bullying thing, and then we have never received a report. And we, it was it was said yeah. that they would never re- release the report. And I'm going to tell you something: if there was anything in that report, that shit would be out there. That would be out there. Yes, but the damage, pisses- but the damage is long damage lasting is because people to this day will bring up Megan bullied people mm-hmm. because that first all they had to do was was plant the seed and allow people's unconscious biases to just run with it. So moving on to the media, and I I did debate turning this into a Piers Morgan timeline because, <laughs> oh, it is wild looking at men who feel women owe them something, and what a universal experience that is. Um, but that yeah. is honestly an entire podcast that we should have at another time because it would be an hour long. So yeah. what I want to talk about is the the fact that Megan really triggers people in the media. I mean, some of the reporting is downright personal in a way that feels very weird. Again, those parasocial relationships, but it's not just the usual characters. We'll talk about the ones that we're used to first. And then I want to get into another kind of woman that she triggers. So first of all, there is the conservative woman, white UK woman who she triggers the fuck out of. And it's turfs like Camilla Tomine. Uh, She's a turf. It's in her writing. I do not feel bad saying that. And so the difference obviously between if you look at the way she's covered Megan and, and Kate, it is so blatantly obvious uh, the difference and the protection of Kate versus Megan. And Mm -hmm. there's uh, again, the the whole Megan made Kate cry um, playing into a stereotype of, of an aggressive 
black woman. And then obviously the Grenfell piece, which I have done videos on. This is the one that bothers me the most because not only is it intellectually lazy, it's dangerous to the women that were cooking and also Megan. It is, there is no research provided except for a quote from this man who is a part of an anti-Muslim right-wing think tank. Great research. (laughs) And real quick, can I just say too that um, the whales have jumped onto the Greenfall Tower thing since Megan and Harry have left and not once has Camila Tomney wrote an article connecting them to terrorism. Oh no, it's not terror. Um, it's only terrorism when it's a black woman. So the way that the, right. the way that Camilla Tomney is so careless with the safety of people and the way every yes. paper that picked up and ran with it, because every paper was like the sun reported mm-hmm. and there was never an apology. There was such backlash. It was so potentially dangerous in a time where hate crimes based on religion were rising Mm. in the UK. It was so dangerous and irresponsible and it never stops bothering me because while the, uh, the articles that are like Kate eats avocados and she's glowing and it's like Megan eats avocados and she's aiding Mexican cartels and killing people, (laughs) both are ridiculous. But the more that you can set up that dynamic, the more you can just look at everything Megan does, whether it's eating eating avocados or participating in a charity as nefarious. And I also think too, it's connecting people of color who interact with Megan and like her as bad or something you should be suspicious of. And then people of color who are positive and friendly with like the whales or with like Charles and stuff are seen as good and positive, not like those other blacks, you know, like they would never say that, but that's what they're thinking. It's kind of what we saw too with like Lady Hussey. Um, I'm forgetting the name of the organization it's like sisterhood something but you know when lady hussey made those racist comments towards her and the owner put her on blast for that and oh wait wait, wait. Talked she, about it. no lady are you talking about lady hussey who made the comments to one of the black workers being like where are you from yes okay yes lady that, hussey who is william's godmother she's i think she was a mm-hmm. lady in waiting for queen elizabeth she said that to one of the employees she made those kind of like where are you from because obviously you can't be from the uk you're black and that got her in trouble around the time Ms. that Fulani. megan around the time that megan was talking about the fact that she was experiencing racism that nobody could believe and well yeah and this is the time too that they're doing everything they can to say we're not racist we're around people and i mean part of this entire luncheon was like celebrating women and celebrating women who are doing better for the community and many of those were women of color i don't think it's specifically to one woman of color but there was a lot of women of color there so for her to go in this and be mingling with women of all races and then this white lady is going to come up and say this racist stuff you guys this is white feminism. This is what happens when we think we're in spaces with people that have common common ideology with us and that we can relax around and we are finally relaxed. And then this lady comes up to you and ruins it and makes you aware once again of who you are and what they think of you, you know, and that is just unforgivable. I truly, I'm so upset till this day for Fulani. She was trying to have a great moment and it was ruined by racism. And then, then, then she or- had, sorry. Oh, no, I was going to say, and then her organization kept getting attacked. They had to shut it down at one point because they were getting so many death threats. And the royal family had that private meeting, but they never did anything to actually help her. And she had to keep talking about and saying, we're in danger and we need help. And like, 
<laughs> you know, you see it with Megan. You see what happens when it comes to these, you know, Camila, Camila, whatever, Tommy, Miss Tommy, Miss Bitch, whatever, like <laughs> making these racist articles whenever Megan is around people of color. It's like it is always the black person's fault somehow. Lady Hussey has able to have a comeback within six months of that. Six yeah, and it's months. amazing how much Crazy. the black woman, the black woman had to play a part in that in accepting yes. the meeting, accepting the con- the amount of work that black women have to do to assuage racism and white women's tears when mm-hmm. they mess up when really an apology should be something you mean and you don't expect anything in return. You show with your exactly. actions how you are and- actually going to change. And I think it makes me sad because I think it goes back to what we we're talking about previously with Megan of um, willingly be a part of this system and help it out. It's like, you know, Felani, I really wish she would have just kept going. And I think it's pretty obvious because she talked about afterwards that she didn't feel comfortable with what happened still or what the Royals did, the BRF did to try to pretty much apologize. She's like, I've never still haven't gotten directly an apology. Like, it's not what you guys thought it was that meeting. But I also feel bad for her because I'm sure she had to. She didn't really have another choice. It's How are the death deaths going to stop? Exactly. She had to. And the royal family has far more power than her. So it's like, I do question Megan and what she did, but I also realize there's so many times, so many examples of Black people having to feed into these racist institutions so they can survive. I completely agree. And I think think what we always have to be careful of is there is this... um, there is this want, especially from white liberal women, which I can say as a white liberal woman, yeah. to say, well, this is just a conservative white women thing. This is Camilla <laughs> Tomini. It's, it's kin- yeah, I know. Alex, like, uh, <laughs> I know. Um, it's, it's Kinsley Schofield. It's Petronella Wyatt. It's these women that are writing the- Rebecca English. It's not liberal women. What was interesting, though, is around Christmas, a story dropped from Newsweek by Joanna Weiss, an American reporter. She wrote that opinion piece for Politico titled 2022, the year we all finally got tired of narcissists. And the thing is, not only is Megan the focal point of the photo, and she's surrounded by the likes of Elizabeth Holmes, Kanye West, Donald Trump, Elon Musk, but the actual framework of the article centers around Megan like she is the biggest narcissist. And yeah. people were understandably pissed. And I actually know a person of color, a woman who sent me the reply that she got from Joanna Weiss when she reached out to her to call her out. Not only Joanna Weiss does everything you think she's going to do. She doubles down on her theory, but she explains that she's using the social science definition of narcissist and not the clinical one. Like girl, please take several seats. And then she has to go into, well, I'm a Jewish woman and I'm getting hate online from this. Uh, Never again. She's replying to a person she knows is a person of color. She is then never taking responsibility for why are people attacking her and not saying it's right. Not saying that Jewish hate is right. My family was Jewish. We escaped the pogroms like every good Jew from Eastern Europe or not every, but Mm -hmm. you know, a good amount that came here in the early 1900s. That was my family. But never takes into account why she's getting this hate. It didn't come out of nowhere. It came out of this disgusting article that centered a black woman as a narcissist. And then she doubles down on it. But here's the thing. People were so quick to tell me, ugh, conservative women. Like, it's the MAGA Trump women. Joanna Mm -hmm. Weiss, Joanna Weiss is a progressive from Boston. She is a progressive white woman from Boston. She wore a pink pussy hat for sure. 
it in definitely she put she had <laughs> you know in in june of 2020 she had a black square on her instagram oh, gosh, profile yeah. you know like she's oh, like yeah. solidarity but if you look into her writing <laughs> there were a lot of examples where she truly struggles with strong black women she wrote this beyonce piece for the boston globe that was like Beyonce is not the only self-involved parent. And it's really, again, weird and attacking. And then she does this thing about Michelle Obama's unnecessary Oscar turn. She just goes out of her way. And it seems like she doesn't even realize this bias she has. And I bet you this is the woman who is like celebrating Juneteenth, like reading all the books. She's definitely read White Fragility. Like she is a lot of liberal women. And it's a reminder why they say that liberal women are some of the most damaging to the movement. Because we are so quick to use our white tears or to bristle when anyone calls out the fact that perhaps we still have some things to learn. And the number of people, the number of white women who could not sit with the fact that Joanna Weiss could be their friend. It was it was not amazing, but it was an interesting study. I mean, like, let's get like Hillary Clinton. Like, look at Hillary Clinton and racism, y'all. And, and and mind you, this is someone who voted for her in 2016 because I had no other choice. But I also went in there knowing who she was. I knew yeah. that she was a white liberal woman who needed my vote and I'm sure would maybe, you know, put, you know, throw her weight behind a couple policies that would help me out. But she still has a racism problem. She still votes for policies that hurt my people. And there has been rumors for years I mean, years about how nasty her and her husband can be towards Black people, especially Black people who are serving them in some way. You know, this runs rapid. The Kennedys, uh, Martin Luther King made that famous, famous quote about how the white moderate is more dangerous than the KKK because oh they, yes. they will feed you these promises and these plans. We agree with you. We're right. But they want to control it. They want full control. So he's talking about like the Kennedys. I'm going in there thinking they're going to help me. I've got the president's ears, but they keep telling, yeah, 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 we get it. We want to help you, but you need to hold on. It's just not that time. It's just not can that I time. Just, it's just not can that I just time. say that if if you really want to read MLK, read Where Do We Go From Here, which was written like after the civil rights movement. Yeah. And it really talks about like, listen, he was here for universal um, like basic income i mean he was he is not like the the person that conserve white conservatives like to trot out with a quote every you know mlk junior day it's a lot different and i think again i think it's so interesting because megan for some reason just brings out like the the predictable racism from conservative women but also that underlying racism that exists even if you desperately want to be an ally and yeah. you, and you try to do the right thing it is still within you like, and if you are unable to examine that and take a step back then you're just assisting in the problem and i think too like the bravo demographic the bravo demographic is a really great example too you think those are more like liberal fun women they watch all these shows that have diversity the atlanta housewives you know what i mean beverly hills housewives finally has a black person on it and an asian person like there are these moments you would think these people with pop culture they would be a little bit more aware and accepting but posting megan markle on a bravo like ig our fan site for a while was just horrible it was horrendous um elizabeth holmes different elizabeth holmes you guys the smt i know um, this you- is what's really wrong there's the elizabeth holmes and then there's like 
Elizabeth Royal Elizabeth Holmes. Holmes. Yeah. yeah. So this is the one I'm talking about now, a royal one, not the one who's literally a criminal. Um, but like <laughs> she, um, and mind you, she has had this conversation about where she went wrong. So I'm not trying to get into that. She's had the open conversation about her racism and where she went wrong. But she was one of the main platforms you could find where it was not supposed to be completely and totally just hate towards Megan. But even then, the comments were horrendous. You know, I think it's pretty obvious that Elizabeth Holmes, that's in the royal circle, attracts like, you know, a certain type of liberal woman. And those liberal women hated Megan. They nitpicked every single tiny little thing about her. They kept talking about her hair. They kept talking about her skin tone. And they kept doing it in ways where you, as a Black person who was like on these shows, like, hey, that's not appropriate. You get whether it was Elizabeth Holmes or some of these viewers, you would get, hey, I like, I know maybe it's not nice, but we need to still be able to have a different of opinions. But like any like racism, just no way. But it's like, I'm telling you, this is racism. I know no one called her a nigger, but honey, that's what they're doing in every single other way. When they keep talking about her hair, they keep talking about her skin looks too orange. They keep nitpicking every little tiny thing that she picks out. They're saying inward, 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 because that's what they think of her as. You know, it's like it's when someone's insidious. like- Exactly. It's these microaggressions. And there were so many microaggressions in a, with Megan. I'm like, I could write a thesis on how Megan is a really great example of how racism has just modernized. Liberals yep. have just modernized their racism. They haven't untaught themselves. They just taught themselves microaggressions. Yep. It's like, it's like your point, just because you're not saying the N word doesn't mean you're not acting that you're not perpetuating racism and holding exactly or treating someone like the N word, you know, like that's how you're treating me. And I think that's like a lot of the things with Megan is what's so hard is, you know, will she ever get to a point where she can actually have like, we'll ever kind of get a glimpse of who she is. Like, are we ever going to really be able to scrape away all the junk that's been printed. You know what I mean? It's, it's really hard to imagine a world where we have enough space from her in the media to just let her be a person. But I think it would be great to get to that point, not only because racism is obviously wrong, but also so we can just have real conversations about her work when she was a Royal and her work now, which we should be able to discuss in a nuanced way without someone either calling you a Stan or Mm -hmm. a, a complete hater. So I think with this Megan episode, again, This could have been, like Kate, this could have been an entire series in and of itself. But since we had a lot to talk about, we wanted to make it two parts. So remember, if if you've listened all the way through and you didn't listen to part one, like you need to go back right now. Okay, that's that's the first roll of business. And if you want to get the if you want to get these episodes early, they are available on Patreon a day before. So this will drop. I think on the free feed, this drops. um, So the Wednesday it dropped. So I think Friday the second part will drop. Um, which doesn't matter because you're already listening. I realized I didn't. I was like talking to Alex about this. And then I realized <laughs> no one needs to hear this. We've just been talking too long and I'm getting loopy. So yes. as we wrap up, Alex, where can the people find us? You can find us on Lady Audacity. That's um, for obviously Lady and the Audacity is A-U-D-I. And then it's T-E-A, like T. You can find that us on Instagram and TikTok there. We have not touched Twitter and probably never will. <laughs> No, it's accessible. It's not even worth it. It's we not can't even worth do it, guys. We can't do oh it. Oh my god, that hate we would get. I it's I, can't, I don't have time for that kind of hate. We're also I on won't. YouTube. We're also on YouTube if you want to stream it that way. So yes, you can't see and us, you can stream but you can it. hear us. Yeah. Yay. So until next time, pinkies up, my friends. Pinkies up, guys. Bye. Bye.
If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. 